I've got a fan girl. Hello. Hello, Raven. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hi, Raven. This is Raven. <laughs> Hold on a second. There you go. I got you on speaker now. <laughs> we have two Ravens on the phone with us. Hi, Raven. Hi, How are Raven. you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. I'm so glad I got to meet you finally. I know. I'm so excited. Like, I can't express how excited it, I am. To so many on. years. So many years of us being like, you know, social media friends. And then to finally meet was really cool. Yeah. Totally. So, <laughs> I'm like... I'm trying not to fangirl because I'm like seriously excited that you guys are going to be playing the festival. I am ex super excited about the festival and thank you for having us. Hell we're, yeah. We're big fans. I, I've only heard great things about it. So, and a lot of new, I mean, a lot of DIY bands that are playing, I think are like, you know, they've heard of us. We've heard of them just in the circuit, um, in the DIY scene or scene post or whatever, but um, I think a few of them um, are like, oh, man, we're finally going to play something together. And it's like, yeah, like, make sure you come say hi and, like, remind me, like, how do I know you? Where did where did we come across each other on social media and stuff like that? Because it's just been years and, and my memory's shot from COVID. Like, I, like, absolutely lost any ability to remember anything anymore after COVID. You know like, what? all the years just mesh together now. That, that has happened to me, too. I've had COVID twice now, and it is so difficult to think straight and to remember shit. Yeah. It's the it's like, I'm like, I know I'm getting older, but, I mean, I don't think that has anything to do with it. <laughs> we I mean, it right. could. It could. But, no, I mean, like, I just, like, it's not even that, but I, I have had a crazy year. So, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that I'm already, like, ADHD. And I'm already squirrely. Like, I have a million things on my mind at any given moment. But then to have COVID happen, and then now to do, you know, this is our fifth time out this year, back to back. So, my head's just been spinning. You, you know what I mean? Like, nonstop. Oh, I bet. I mean, I sort of feel that same way, too. You know, we've got our radio station, our PR company, our festival, which takes a year to plan. I've got kids. Yep. I've got an art business. Like, I don't even know what fucking day it is. I don't know how you do it. I, I would be a, I would be a lunatic mother. This is why we decided not to have kids. Cause I think I would, well, first of all, I'd be a helicopter mom, like big time, mm -hmm. like SWAT team, helicopter, Navy SEALs. <laughs> and, and, uh, I, I think I, I would drive my kids crazy and they would hate me. So I decided not to have children. Well, <laughs> but you know, it. I have to say, though, I was telling my kids the other day because I was like, you know, are y'all at the age where I'm lame and shit now? And my almost 13-year-old said, no, Mom, you're like the coolest mom there is. So there is something um, there, you know. That's so sweet. Yeah. It is. like, and this No, I mean, I, I do. I envy you guys because you have these beautiful creatures that you've created. Uh, but but then I don't envy you at times when I see you go through what you go through. Oh, it's like... man, it's hell. And, you know, I'm the type of mom that I'm at that school all the damn time. Because, wow. you know, if somebody says something bad to my to my kids or somebody pushes religion oh, on I, them, I'm like, I, I would violent. Right. I don't have time really to fight these battles, but I, like, can't turn a blind eye either. So, <laughs> yeah, I would love to see that. <laughs> well, both the boys will be at the festival, and I know they're dying to meet you, so. 
for sure. We got to take pictures and like definitely hang out. We do. And and we do hang out. We're not like, you know, every festival, we're not like the kind of people that just stay in our bus or whatever. You know, we, we actually go walking around and meeting people. And I visit a lot of the other bands booths and still like listen to their music. And, you know, I try to like check things out. Like even with tonight, I, I really dove into some inner circles, um, Spotify list. Oh, and they're amazing. Oh, you're going to love those guys. I like what they're doing. I like that the whole concept and the lore because, you know, I can appreciate that because we have lore, you know. So it was pretty cool to check that out. And they're hilarious, uh, too. When you meet them, them, they're going to make you laugh so hard. They're, they're uh, just well, ridiculous. Cool. Well, and- yeah. And, and, of course, Casket. Casket's yes. going to be there. Yes. Oh, my gosh. You, you guys have a tour with them, too, also, that's happening right I, now. I, like, well, we played Michigan Metal Fest together. And then it just so happened that, you know, the, the, the friends that I chose to go on tour with this October, they just happened to both, you know, Cultist Black and Casket were both playing Michigan Metal Fest. And then now Casket and I are playing your festivals, you know, Tennessee. It's Tennessee Metal Devastation, correct? It is. Yeah, that's correct. It's a long so, name. <laughs> it, it, well, I just don't, I wish want to, for some reason, my tongue twisting goes to Metal Devastation right away, not the Tennessee part. I I assume people know it's in Tennessee, but then I always go, "Oh no, it's Tennessee." Yeah, metal station. <laughs> apparently, I'm, apparently now I'm an, I'm called an edge lord for name for for having that name too. We've had that name since we started our radio station <laughs> ten years ago in October. That's great. Yeah. Well, you know what's crazy because I had never been to Knoxville all these years. You know, we had never been to Knoxville. I'm thinking it's always been Nashville. It's always been Nashville, and then. Finally, we got an Oxford, and I was worried because I was like, I've not been here. We're not going to have a good turnout, blah, 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 whatever, you know. Nobody knows us here. But, you know, we had a decent turnout for a weekday. I was very, I was actually very surprised. Um, but we got a lot of love in Knoxville, so I'm kind of excited. And, and Nashville, like, Tennessee, we, we have a lot of great people out there, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I will give you a heads up. I don't know if you've been keeping up with the fact that we're in West Tennessee and our town is kind of small and Uh we have to constantly fight back against uh, religious extremists. And so, uh, oh, I did see something like that that you posted about it. Oh, it's constant. Like, I'm not even joking. The place that we had our festival last year, their stage mm-hmm. had been there since 1969. Johnny Cash had performed on that stage. And wow. in order to keep us from coming back, they shut their whole stage down. Wow. Yeah. So we're in a new venue this year. We don't know what the turnout is going to be, but we expect it to be on par with last year and we're a new fest but we're so excited to have you be a part of it and we're going to grow this thing we're going to stay strong and grow it big you know what the funny thing is everybody always you know the rejects always tell me you know here they send me links to like submit for blue uh blue ridge submit for blah blah submit for and i go i have never ever submitted for a festival in my entire career I feel that if they want us to play the festival, they'll reach out to us. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, take it back to my dating habits back in the day. You know, <laughs> I, the, I was a single girl that hung out with my girlfriends. And if a guy offered me a free drink or to buy me a drink, then I would say yes. But I'm not going to go stand at the bar waiting for somebody to buy me a drink. Oh, totally. It, I'll buy my own drink. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's kind of the, how I look at it with, with festivals is like, you know what? They will reach out to me when they 
want us to be a part of it. And so, like, I have actually always been more um, in tune with, like, the independent festivals like yours because I just feel there's a lot more community, and I really like being a part of that. Whereas when I play the bigger festivals, it's kind of like I'm just a number. You know what I mean? Like, there's you're just a number in the crowd, and, like, even the, the crowd, it's like, Sometimes you capture fans, sometimes you don't, but everybody's just doing their own thing. It, I don't feel like a, a personal fulfillment, but like, for instance, we just played Michigan Metal Fest and there's a lot of brotherhood, a lot of sisterhood there. There's a lot of friends that come back for like a reunion kind of thing, um, similar to the gathering and the gatherings on a bigger scale. But same thing when your family, your family. And I feel like this is our our beginning of being a part of uh, Tennessee Metal <laughs> Devastation, you know? Oh, yeah. And I'm you guys grow and i want to be a part of that and and just see that you guys keep succeeding every year and every year and i think we need more of it well thank you so much that means so much to us because it's really difficult to do this here and we also want to keep our lineup you know showcasing the underground i mean the underground is what means the most to us and i love that yeah, yeah, you know, in the bigger festivals, I'm not putting them down. But when you have multiple stages and you're putting, you know, some of the smaller bands over here, well, then you divert a lot of people away from them with the bigger stage. So it's really important to us. We have one stage. All of our bands play that same stage. Um, yeah. All of the bands mingle with the fans. And it really was special last year. And we're super excited to hopefully recreate that this year. Yeah, I can't imagine how much work it takes. And, and I've seen Steve do it with Michigan Metal. And I know you guys are working 24-7 to make this happen. And I can appreciate how hard you work to make something like this happen and, and have a place for DIY bands to go and, like, thrive uh, together. And I I personally appreciate that so much. And I want to be a part of something like that, you know, continually through my career. Well, thank you so much. And we are so stoked to have you guys and a shout out to Fuel the Funeral Entertainment because I have absolutely adored working with those guys. Uh, they great. Yeah, they're wonderful, and I want to give them a, a shout out while we're doing that. Yeah, because yeah. not all, not all uh, agencies like that are, are. Some of them can be pretty hard to work they with. They are. <laughs> I don't want to name any names or anything, but yeah. Five days, just so you know, in Mercury. So. I'm sticking with this one. These guys are amazing, and they work very hard, and they give a shit about what the artist and the band wants, what strategically needs to happen. Uh, they communicate very well with the promoters, with you guys, um, always on a very positive level, um, not talking at you, but you know, working with you, and that's how I work. So it was really nice to finally have agents who work with me and with the promoters and the festival so oh, yeah. it's all, all on the same page and the same kind of mentality you know like he even called and talked to yeah to I, ta I had a really long conversation with hunter the other day um yeah. and i may or may not i'm thinking about it and if i can squeeze in the time i may be joining the team over there we're gonna see but um okay. yeah uh wonderful people very in tune with the scene and totally yep. supportive of the bands one hundred percent. Yeah, and I, I don't think one not even one single time that I've texted them, called them, emailed them, anything at any given time while I'm on tour, while I'm off tour at three in the morning. You know, I hear from them at a very like appropriate. I'm obviously if I'm texting them at three in the morning, I don't hear them from them until 
you know, seven or eight in the morning, but always a response and always a great response. Uh, good information. Like I am never guessing, I'm never going, Oh my God, what's happening. I don't know what's, what's going on. They, they're just extremely organized and extremely on top of things. So I, I just, I feel so lucky to have them. Like, I'm so happy that, you know, Hunter and I reconnected. Um, it, it was just, it was perfect. It was perfect for me coming back, you know, back to touring this year. And I so needed, you know, a strong team like them. And I, I can't, I, I don't have anything bad to say about them, except that they're just amazing. They are amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like, I totally agree. Uh, definitely one of my favorite uh booking agents to deal with because like i said they're they're human and they care and that's different there was one band uh probably around february or march and i won't name them but i reached out to their booking agent and i was like you know i would like to talk to you about booking this person and i made an offer and he simply came back with no and never (laughs) responded to me again i'm like okay well fuck you too but, yeah. you know, like, shit, you know, we're just, we have to I think start somewhere. I think some agents have really gotten, you know, up there um, and, and they just don't, they don't want to help, you know, um, anyone kind of get uh, up, you know, get up in the scene, get, get ahead, get, you know, get any traction at all. Um, and, and I understand when you have your own roster and you're trying to build them. Uh, But again, you know, they're missing a huge point is that the fresh new scene from the DIY can DIY scene can actually build up their existing band. Exactly. Supporting supporting community, supporting the shows and they don't get it. You know, everyone's stuck in this rut of, Oh, you know, this, the mid-sized national touring bands only go out with the big bands. And, and that makes sense, yes, because they need to move the needle and build fan bases, right? But you're forgetting one whole piece of it. it it's just, I kind of compare it to, like, lower, middle, and upper class. Yep. You know, class just forget that the middle class and the lower class is what makes them upper class. Right. It, it, it's an equation, right? And, and, and that's the same thing. It's like there's the DIY scene, but a lot of DIY bands, like myself you know, unbeknownst to the world is that we choose to be not because we didn't get offers from labels. Right. So it's, it's a, it's a personal choice that I, I turned down a record label, you know what I mean? Because I want to stay organic. Huge respect for that, by the way. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I seen what they've done with, you know, bands back in the day. Yes. A record label did something for them and they did artist development and there was a lot of budget towards that and it was prior to streaming and the internet and all that but the the way the music industry is now and how a band will succeed or not um in the public you know in in the mainstream or whatever is it, it's not even always just even your music uh, there's tons of bands with great music and it's not even about that it's all marketing it's all numbers and streaming and it's all a numbers game right um and, and for me it's like well a lot of and I see it, a lot of DIY bands, we're in it for the music, we're in it for the art, and and it's not all of us are looking to be the number one new rock star. You know, we just enjoy a musical career. And so when labels approach me going, oh, well, you know, don't you want to go to the next level? Don't you want to become the next big thing? And I said, that's a real, I'm really glad you asked me that. Because that's the thing is like, you can't sell 
a mansion to somebody who's looking for a cabin. You, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm in a mansion. I, I know you can tell me, ma'am, I don't want a mansion. I want a freaking cabin by the lake. So, like, for me, it's like, I don't want, I never want it to be, you know, hailstorm. I never wanted to be anything like that. I, I just wanted a musical career. I wanted to make music and earn a living, a decent living, a roof over my head, food on the table, you know, and I can enjoy doing my art and living my life the way I want. And that's the thing that they missed is like, you can offer me all you want, but if that's not what I, that wasn't my goal, then you're missing the point. And I think people, people assume that every band wants to make it big. Um, and I'm not saying that if we did really well and had millions of fans that I would go, you know, I would complain about that, but I want to do it on my own terms. Like I want to make fans that are a deep fan base that are loyal, that love what we do. They get the lore, they enjoy it. They enjoy the art and it's a community and everybody is like reciprocating this, this love and this energy and this passion that we all love metal music and rock music and, and the whole aesthetic around it you know um that's what i'm having the most fun doing is enjoying the whole encompassing art around the music the comic book everything that you know the shows everything um if that's what i'm in love with you know what i mean uh being a rock star or being famous you don't really fall in love with that most fam famous people hate their fucking lives yep um because they can't live peacefully you know what i mean they're too famous, right? Right. Well, <laughs> and they're on like Medicaid. They're all on all kinds of shit to like cope with that. And and we see those in documentaries all the time, right? We do. Um, I mean, look at Ozzy. He's fucked up. You know what I mean? Yep. He is fucked up. But he, what I think keeps him going is his family. It's you know Sharon or whatever, and it's it. And it comes down to the basics. It's like you do things that you love, and you surround yourself with people who love you and support you your life is pretty good you know absolutely uh, yeah definitely you know th that kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier too about like like with your agency too like you know because they were so cool they they stuck in my head and i was talking to a band just the other day and they were asking me some band from europe and they were yeah. asking me about agencies over here that could help them possibly and I was thinking of some names, and I, that's I, I name dropped them right away. I was like, "Yeah, actually, I do know somebody that might be able to help you." You know, and yeah, and that that's so like building relationships with cool people really goes a long way too. Like, it does. Not being a dick, you know, like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know? be a dick. There's no reason to be a dick, you know. There's not. And, you know, going back to what you said, you know, us as a PR company, we get mm -hmm. told all the time, you guys do this for so cheap, you need to raise your prices. But it's never been about being wealthy or charging a lot or any of that for us. We want to be affordable for the DIY, the underground bands that can't afford a thousand bucks for a PR package, right? So we could be making a lot more money. But what we enjoy, our passion, is truly the underground. And Correct. that's why that's why we do what we do. Yeah. I and you and the, you're right, the DIYs need you. They need to learn how to get their music out there, how to get press releases, how to, you know, expand that so that they can build fans so they can actually go play shows and 
and somewhat earn some kind of a, a living, not even as a living, but to continue to invest in creating more music. Um, and it's it's just a it's a it's a wheel, you know what I mean. And if we're all working together, that wheel keeps moving. And that's what I I always try to like. People are like, well, why would you take this band out or whatever? They've never toured before. They have no draw. But I go because I like the people. You know, I, I want to play a show with them. I want to experience a tour with them. I want them to experience a tour. This isn't all about just draw and tickets and all that. It's also about the fans having a great show, the fans enjoying great meeting great musicians who are, are kind people, who will remember them, who want to spend time with them, yes. who want to sign autographs. It's not always about the money. Exactly. Yes, we sell- I hustle merch because I have to pay for shit so I can go out and see my fans. I want to see people. I, I want to play a show for them. I want to perform. I want to entertain them. I want to connect with them. Yes, they can listen to my music all day long. But at the end of the day, when I am screaming or singing to somebody and looking at them in their eyes, that is a whole nother experience. That is a lifetime gift, you know, to each other. And and that's what I enjoy most out of everything that I do, you know, is that connection. And so I have to tour. Like, I want to be out there. I want to see everybody. So for me to afford that without a label, without any big investors, or I have to sell merch. I have to slang merch, you know. But And people get it, and I'm pretty transparent about it, you know. Well, um, like, right I'm hustling, I'm hustling e-raffle tickets and a, a mystery bag and... Um, my comic book because I need gas money. I got to get to El Paso for this tour, and it's like eight hundred bucks from where I am to the first show. Oh yeah, we make well, so we, gas tank not cheap, you know. Well, we do want to toot our own horn here and say that's one of the reasons at our fest that we not only do we not charge vendors or take any percent of what they make, but mm-hmm. our any bands that play our show keep a hundred percent merch. Yeah, we. Yep think that is so important and we very much encourage all other venues out there to do the Mm -hmm. same yeah i mean this is how we survive and the thing is you know if we keep killing off the diy scene or we keep killing anyone that that's trying to make money to keep going we're no longer going to have a scene i mean that's what happened to our community right in the first place yeah started to come back um but yeah i mean it's it I understand businesses have to make money. I understand venues have to make money. They have to pay these guarantees, you know, for artists and things like these big bands that have these huge guarantees. But those bands also pay for themselves to some degree. I mean, you take a big band, you know, they sell enough tickets that they've paid themselves. So the venue's still profitable at the end of the day. But when you talk about the smaller, mid-sized venues that are trying to survive, especially post-COVID, the DIYs, that's why they book us. That's why the promoters are pulling us in. Because we are at some way, somehow, making some money. Everyone's making some money. No one's getting rich. But the venue can make money on bar, right? They, they're they also covering, they're getting part of the tickets. They're making sure that they're paying guarantees. The guarantees don't make the bands rich, and everybody knows this. Right. The band uses that guarantee to pay for gas and their merch bill. So that they can continue to make music, and and that's it's usually a break-even situation, and and as, but then the venue's surviving, and and the band's surviving, and everyone is surviving, and people are having a great time, and I think that's really important for people to see it for what it is, right? Absolutely. Like I'm sure it doesn't make you guys rich, no. you know, but it's something <laughs> you love to do. It's something you love, to do. and 
people understand how crazy I am right now. Like I'm insane right now with stress and raising money and and organizing everything, getting ready to go away from home for a month, you know, risking my life on the road, right? But why? Why do I do that? Why do I put myself to, through this the stress? Why do you guys put yourself through the stress? Because we love music. We love the scene. We love what we do. And so it's all worth it in the end, you know? Absolutely. When you come home and you're broke or you come home and you break even or you come home and you're like, shit, I'm in the red, you know, but you're like, but you know what? I had a fucking blast and we changed some people's lives and that's fucking what matters. Absolutely. I mean, Zach and I have been having to give each other pep talks, you know, because last <laughs> year, last year we, we broke even, which is great for a first year fest. And mm-hmm. but this year it's costing us a lot more money. And just like the bands, we look to make our money off of our merch. And so, Correct. you know, we're we sit here and we're like, oh, my God, this is so stressful. What if we go in the red? And I told Zach the other day, I was like, if we do, we fucking have a blast. And then afterwards we lick our wounds and we move on. That's 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 what you do when you love something enough that you take yep. a risk. Yep. Yep. It's like shopping. You want to buy <laughs> that you really love you're willing to spend the money on it it's the same thing you know i always tell people you know we're human it's just like some people save up to go on a disney vacation with their kids you know some people save up money to buy that dream car they want right or the motorcycle or or a purse or you know people have different things that they want um artists all they want to do is do art so they spend all their money in the tools and their craft and, and they spend all their money and time and energy into doing exactly what they love. And it doesn't matter if they're rich or not. It's it just about being able to, to produce that next song, to create that next piece of art, um, to go and perform it. You know, it, it's all about that. And I'm still that person. You know how they say, like, you can't take the ghetto out of the girl or whatever. You know, one of those little cliche things. <laughs> I'm. I doesn't matter what I do in my career. I will ne- I will always be DIY. I will always be underground because I'm weird. I've been underground and weird my entire life Same. since I was, <laughs> and that's never going to change. It's the root of who I am, and I have learned to love myself. The inner core of me is a fucking weirdo, and I like dark shit, and I love heavy music, and this is where I live, and I love it, and I love being around people who love it. And this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Oh, well, you're speaking to my soul here. Yes, I, I know. <laughs> but this is why we get along, because we're like minded people. You know, we all love the same things. We love the same energy. And, and I think when you get enough people like that together, it's a beautiful thing. I agree. You know, speaking of merch, I got to ask you, because I know there's a lot of people around here because they they don't get anything else like this ever. Like yeah. this this doesn't happen around here very often. So there's people yeah. around here that have been saving up all fucking year for this. So wow. uh, you know what kind of merch are you guys bringing, man? What kind of stuff are you guys going to be having to sell? Uh, we've got well, we obviously we have the t-shirt spread, but I think I have four different designs this this time because it's spooky season. Um, and then we've got our, obviously our posters because we're always at the table, the entire band's at the table meeting everybody for free, Hell yeah. you know, or they're signing autographs, taking pictures. We'll sign. If you can't afford to buy a poster or anything, we have some free like postcard kind of stuff like that. I, you know, it doesn't cost a lot for us to print and we'll, I give that away and I sign something. So if somebody comes up 
and, and says, can you please sign my ticket or this napkin? I sign it, but I also give them something because I want them to remember us and I want them to remember the experience of, of meeting Raven Black, of, of seeing us perform, of listening to our music, you know, just being a part of something. I want them to feel part of it, um, that now they're a part of the rejects. They're a part of our world. And, and that's really important to me. Um, and to every every member that I've ever worked with, that's like, well, exception for two of my ex-members, but most of the people that I have ever worked with in Raven Black get that. And if they didn't, they're no longer working with me. Um, so that I'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, every experience, it's really important that they come up and have somebody can afford a $5 or something or a $10 or something. And some people are big spenders. They'll buy the bigger items, the collectible items. So we always have a spread that fits every single person, young, old, you know, heavier, darker art to fun, cute, spooky art, you know, because it's kid friendly. We're very kid friendly. Um, I'm though, I'll, although I have to say I'm very surprised. A lot of the kid rejects really like some dark shit. Yes, so, they do. <laughs> don't, I want that shirt. And it's like, okay, all right. You want the pentagram, <laughs> right? Yeah. I love it. They teach me so much, you know, because I naturally have this censorship because we're in the public eye, right? We're careful what we say, right? But then at the same time, these kids, you know how kids are, they just have no filter. Right. They're just, so, you know, they go, yeah, them fucking assholes. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to say that too. That guy's a fucking asshole, right? <laughs> but they give permission to to not worry about censoring myself and just being the true my, the true me. And if I want to express something, I can express it freely and not worry about judgment or criticism. And and I think that's really important in the art world, um, in the music world, that we don't feel censored um, by the public. And, you know, if people don't like it, go away. You know, it's just like the festival. You guys had to, you couldn't play at the old place. You went to a new venue. I mean, you know, there's always a place for us. And, and, and I say there's always a place and a home for us weirdos. You know what I mean? We're, we'll gather together, right? Oh, yeah. Somewhere. We create uh, one. If there isn't one, we, we create, create it. Our, we create our our own environment, correct. And it's fun. It's fun, and there's so much love. And, and so, like, yeah. So, at the table, we'll have posters. I have a couple of new cool things that will be re- debuting uh, this tour. Uh, one of them being um, we're going to have some uh, some weed seeds because, you know, Raven Black is very 420 friendly. Yeah. But uh, we, we met these guys at Michigan Metal Fest. They had a booth. And, of course, like I said, I walk around and try to meet as many people and just say hi. You know, just say hi and um, let people know I'm, I'm, I'm approachable and I'm just, I'm just like you guys. I'm here enjoying the festival, too. I want to have fun, too. You know, <laughs> like I'm here yeah. to have fun, too. So I, I do, you know, I do buy stuff. I do support a lot of the, the vendors in the booths. I know they're there all day working. Um, and they have some really cool, interesting stuff. Um, but we have two mystery bags because, you know, I'm the queen of, like, mystery bags because um, I just love grab bags. So this is my childhood thing, okay? Um, so we have a mystery bag. You're either going to choose the trick bag or the treat bag, and you don't know what's in it. So people can choose whether they want the treat bag or the trick bag. <laughs> trick or treat. I love um, it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, that's going to be something fun. Um, and anybody that buys a pre-sale ticket to the festival or any of the shows on tour, uh, they're going to get a red key, a special red key at our merch table. So they just show our merch girl that they bought online pre-sale tickets to the 
to the festival, um, they will receive a red key, and it's a 3D printed uh, red replica of the key of my album. Ooh. Um, so, yeah, so, but that is redeemable for Christmas. Uh, it's a Christmas present. So, I think I have, I think I have a total of 400 keys. Uh, and I only gave out like half of them on the last couple of tours. So we still have a lot to go. Uh, so if you pick up a red key because you bought a pre-sale ticket, um, you will get a Christmas gift from Raven Black. Oh my gosh, so, I love it. And only the people who hold a red key will have access to their Christmas gift. I need all of it. I'm going to have to come to your booth and get all of it. <laughs> yeah. So I always try to make things fun, like a game. Like I try to bring our child... Our inner child, our, our inner child out. You know what I mean? Because I think, why not? Why can't adults have that moment of being a kid opening a present? You know, with that surprise and that that kind of excitement. And and so I try to make things fun and 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 interesting. So that's why I came up with the mystery bag in the first place. Uh, but it caught on, and now people look forward to it. And uh, so so unfortunately, I'm going to be on tour during halloween and i usually do my halloween mystery box um and we started that during covid to keep people you know excited and having fun and being able to celebrate halloween at home so we did that but now it's become a thing so now that we're on tour we're going to create the halloween mystery bags on tour um and it's either trick or treat so well i am super excited about that and going back to what you said you know uh, reliving, you know, the childhood, whatever. That's one of the things I love so much about your music because I was a teenager in the mid and late 90s and mm -hmm. your music feels so much like that horror. I, I say horror metal. I don't really know how to classify it, but it makes <laughs> me feel like I'm back, you know, yep. in my Marilyn Manson, yeah, Nine Inch Nails, yeah. Rob Zombie days. Big time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we, and I mean, that, I mean I, I'm not going to lie, that is my era. You know, that was my influences growing up as a teenager. You know, I'm 53, so I grew up in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. That's like my teenage years of influence, right? I was a total emo punk metal kid, you know. Um, I used to write OZZY on my fingers, you know, like with my, my marker. Um, I used to ride all over my vans, you know, um, my slip-ons and stuff like that. So, or my chucks. I mean, one or the other. I had, you know, pen, black pen, Sharpie, you know, writing stuff. I used liquid paper. I mean, you know, I could, I don't know if you remember putting liquid paper on your shoes, but oh, I yeah. did. Yeah. My punk scene, I had like a lunchbox, uh, you know, drawn and sketched up and tagged up. That was like my, my purse was my lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs> I had a Star Wars lunch, lunchbox, okay, and I painted on it and drew stuff on it and doodled on it. And, and so, like, I, I've i been this person my entire life. And so, of course, my music's going to have that in it, you know. Um, and I always explained what is Raven Black's music. It's all my favorite things thrown in a blender and stirred up together. So I absolutely love it. And... You know, I love, you know, like Dollhouse and 13, but I have to tell you that uh, your song Hear Me Cry really, really touched me in a very special way. I would love to hear a little bit more about that. Uh, well, Hear Me Cry is just, it was our anti-suicide song because I've, I've just dealt with suicide, you know, most of my life. Um, and, you know, my first attempt was when I was 13. And, uh, you know, I ended up in the emergency room, getting my stomach pumped and all that good stuff. 
Um, and then again, you know, going through it when I was 18, um, just because my first boyfriend in my life used to abuse me and beat me up and I didn't know better, you know, um, it's just a different generation where you, you always, you were always taught that you would have your first boyfriend and marry him and, and save yourself for one person. Right. right. Uh, upbringing. So of course, as soon as I, I grew up, I was like, wait, that's not, that's not the case. I don't want to just be with one guy. Um, <laughs> I don't want to save myself for anybody, but, but <laughs> you know, but, but it's just one of those things that's like broken innocence, but, but hear me cry is really about uh, when I wrote it, it was really, really a time when, you know, people forget that as artists, we sometimes deal with a lot of depression or I would say it's kind of lonely. You know what I mean? Because you're always working. You're very in your own head, in, in your own head space. And um, sometimes you just, it's like, who do you talk to? If you're always the one that's giving advice, you're always the one that's helping others. And I'm a giver, you know, in life, you're either a giver or a taker, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and I'm, I've really acknowledged that I was a giver and I'm not, I'm not a receiver of things. I have to earn everything that I want, right? I have to go and earn it. I have to go make it happen. It just doesn't come to me. So, you know, struggling with all the, the traumas that I've had, you know, um, and I, I wrote an autobiography. I don't know if you've ever heard that. I wrote a book at when I turned 50. Um, no. it was, yeah, it was a bucket list item that I've always wanted to do because I've just been through so much trauma in my life um, that I wanted to share my story. Um, and it, I was always going to do it when I turned 50 because I was like, by the time I'm 50, what the hell am I going to experience? And I'll just share all of it. And that way it can help others um, cope with the traumas they've experienced. So it had nothing to do with the music or anything. It just happens to be that I'm a musician now, but um, whatever I would have been doing, I still would have done my autobiography at 50. So I only released a hundred copies because it's, it's very personal. It's my life. And, um, I, it is available digitally. Um, so if you want a copy, I'll send you one Raven, but I would love one. Yeah. So thank you. But I, I basically, the whole book is just me sharing the, I wouldn't say the highlights, but the turning points in my life, uh, you know, from like age six and, and it's, you know, it's heavy. So like age six, I was molested, you know, age 13, I attempted suicide. Age 16, I was abused and raped by my boyfriend. Um, at 18, I was suicidal. Um, at 23, I was, I became addicted to crystal meth. I was a tweaker for two years. I went to jail, LA County. I was in the real orange not raven black but orange black um but i do rehab psych ward 13 days that's why my album's called 13 um for 13 days i did rehab and i came out of uh crystal math um i you know i still have the damage from those days um i was diagnosed 5150 um you know uh which is borderline schizophrenia it's a california code um so, you know, I, I was clinically diagnosed that. And then I went through a really big, big manic depression after, you know, coming out of that because I had destroyed my life during the tweaking days. That two years, I lost everything that, you know, um, my car, my place where I lived, my clothes, my ID, like I lost everything. Um, and I kind of went into a really deep mental psychosis. Um, so I wrote a lot during those times, too. Um, but then I came out of that, 
And, you know, I was, again, you know, raped during that period of time. Um, so it's just one of those things that all these traumas. Um, but what I wanted to do is really share my music. And if you really look into my lyrics, it's about overcoming those traumas. And, you know, no matter what hardships you've been through, you could still wake up, get up, off, get up off the floor, you know, and love yourself and go and pursue your dreams and go and do something you love and change your life and surround yourself. That's the key to surround yourself by people who actually love you for who you are, accept you for who you are and support you. And that's how you can attain the things that you want to do in life. You know, that's what you need. That's the key to it all. And so the key was born from that. And so Hear Me Cry was about learning to ask for help, um, learning to talk about your traumas, learning to talk about the ugly things in your life so that you can actually heal from them. Uh, because, you know, suppressing all that, it, it, you live with it, you know, more on the surface because you've never dealt with it. You've never released it out of yourself. So Hear Me Cry was all about kind of that isolated inward suffering that you actually put on yourself. And so, you know, to let it out, to allow yourself to ask for help and to speak up that you are in this state of mind, that you are, you know, you have suicidal tendencies or suicidal thoughts or that your depression is overwhelming. You don't have, you, you don't have control anymore. And when you reach out to anyone that there's so many people out there that are willing to listen and sometimes just talking about it is the big difference, you know, and, and for me, it's, I've helped a lot of people along the way in my career, um, just privately. It's nothing that's publicly known on Facebook or, you know, I don't advertise those private talks that I have on messenger with people, with fans about their situations, you know, when they're going through something and, they got, you know, they're cutting themselves or they're, they've got a gun loaded, you know, and it's two in the morning and they message me and I message back and I have a full conversation with them. Oh, wow. um, and, and that's the stuff I don't really advertise, you know, that, but I, it, what it did is it inspired me to write lyrics. Um, and that's what hear me cry came up. That's how hear me cry came to be. Um, during COVID, I just felt a lot of people were reaching out and feeling very, very suicidal or very depressed. And I, so the song, I felt like it could help people get through those dark times and know that someone's always listening and someone's always there if you need, just, you just have to reach out. Wow. This is like, it's made me feel very emotional. Um, I haven't uh, gone through everything that you have, obviously, but as a woman, you know, I too am a survivor of rape and sexual assault. And um, of course, I've had people close to me who have chosen to leave this life. And a lot of that is what spurred me on to get my master's degree in clinical mental health therapy. I was a therapist before uh, we started doing the PR stuff. And um, just big kudos to you for everything that you've been through, but being able to pull yourself up and, you know, still be here. I'm glad you're still here. Yeah, and that is a true story right there of survival. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that with people and being vulnerable and letting people know that they're not alone. Yeah. I mean, that's that's basically it. And that's the root of me not wanting to be, you know, the big rock star or label or any of that, because, you know, 
I'm not doing what I'm doing um, for that reason. I'm doing it to help people and to leave that part of myself with this world before I go um, on to the next life, you know. And I just chose my art, my artistic abilities of, you know, lyric, writing books, um, stories, music. That's just the platform I chose to help people. Well, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, and you're, you seem like just such an amazing person, and I can't wait to give you a big hug. Thank and you. I, I get to see you again. I know. So we're we're three weeks out, three weeks from tomorrow. I know. Please don't say that. I'm like, I'm like, I'm leaving ten days. What? I know. Look, I'm <laughs> I am daily in like these full panic attack meltdowns, but we're gonna get through this. You know, we will. <laughs> I just got home, and I just oh, good news. We just finished the album for Yay! Raven's Diary. Oh, so yeah. excited! Yeah, and we've already tracked four of the upcoming, um, four of the new songs for the fifth album, which is, so you know, Raven White is the softer side of me. So it's a ballad album and a tribute album to my father, uh, who passed, passed away at the end of 2021. So, of course, I spiraled into depression again. Um, that just knocked me off my feet. Um, I, I was suicidal again after how many years, 20-something years of, of being clear of suicidal thoughts, I went right back to it um, when my dad passed away. So I poured every single tear and, you know, I was like literally convulsing, crying, sobbing, you know, where you shake and you can't, you're stuttering. Yeah. Um, but I was in that much pain, um, you know, and sorrow. So I poured it all into writing and uh, that's what Raven's Diary is. Um, but again, like anything that I do, I came out of it. So at the tail end of the album, I, it gets darker and I start to wake up from my depression. So that will lead into the next album, which is the Black Album. So Raven Black's Black Album is coming number five next year. So, so we've already, yeah, we've already tracked four of the songs. So um, very excited, and uh, I'm not going to announce it yet, but we're doing some collaborations with some uh, great other musicians in the world. Uh, so um, there's going to be some collaboration songs on the fifth album as well. Oh, my gosh. I'm totally excited yeah. about that. And uh, sorry for the loss of your father. My father died in 2001, and it changed my life forever, so I can totally relate. I still shake and sob 20, yes. 22 years later. So yeah. um, my condolences there. For you, too. Thank for you. you. Thank you. Well, um, I know that we do have another interview coming up, so I won't keep you much longer, but this has been a truly amazing conversation. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell uh, the fans that are listening? Um, just when we're at the festival, please come up, say hi. Don't be shy. Don't be shy to ask for pictures. Don't be shy to ask questions. We're just people, and we're there to hang out with you guys and make it a great festival. So, you know, I can't wait to see everybody. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, we're so excited to have you. Thank you for having us. We're, we're really excited. <laughs> this is going to be the third. This will be the third festival this year. So we're really, really excited. Fuck yeah. Well, before we let you go, can we get you to make us a station tag real quick? Sure. What do you want me to say? Whenever you're ready, say something like, this is Raven Black and you're listening to Metal Devastation Radio. Hi, this is Raven Black and you're listening to Metal Devastation Radio. Fuck yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs>
What I'm going to do now is we're going to blast some more Raven Black for these motherfuckers so they can go crazy, all right? Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank right. you. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. There you have it, folks. Raven Black live on the Zach Moonshine Show with Metal Devastation Motherfucking Radio. Like I said earlier, man, put your speakers everywhere and make everybody fucking hear this shit. If you don't see U-Haul trucks tomorrow, you got cool neighbors because they should enjoy this because it's actually this is good fucking music. You know what? Amazing. Music. I'm always saying make your fucking new neighbors move out because the shit's too loud. But the truth is, no, man. You should have good fucking neighbors that fucking enjoy this kind of shit and fucking have a good time with you. you and know? if you don't have good neighbors, then blast them the fuck out and make them move. <laughs> yeah, U-Haul trailers, remember? <laughs> Hell yeah. Here you go. Here's some Raven Black for you motherfuckers. Get your tickets now, goddammit. 